0: this week on breaking badness today we discuss teach a man to fish a look at the rise of fishing as a service next up and how does that make you feel a discussion on how mental health data is obtained and sold revealing personal information and of course our fun game true truths and a lie with that breaking badness is next Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 149, recorded on February 17th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Kelsey Carpe Diem, Seize the Fish, LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor, it's open season on Open Directories, Wilkes-Pierce, and last but not least, our special guest, Daniel, no mom jokes please, Schwabi well, welcome, Taylor. Welcome, Daniel. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Happy to have you both. We're doing a special Friday edition. So if we're a little bit, a little extra fun today, a little weird. <laughs> a
1: little punchy. <laughs>
0: a little punchy. We're recording early in observance of President's Day on, um, on Monday here, the 20th. So thank you both for, for stopping by to talk about some security stuff.
1: Uh, no problem. I, you know, you know me. I talk about it all day, every day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I'm I'm gonna have to hold back on fishing puns, to be honest. I mean, there there are just so many.
1: Just let her rip, all the
2: puns.
0: We'll be up to the gills.
2: You gotta you gotta really reel it in here.
0: Ah,
1: <laughs> gotta gotta cast a big net, a wide net. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, you're doing all the work for me. I don't even have to do the the fish puns. <laughs> for the love of cod, let's move on. All right, here we go. Our first article of the of the day here is "Teach a Man to Fish." And of course, everything we talk about with fishing, this never comes through. Puns don't come through via audio as well. Sometimes we're talking the pH fish, um, so we all know what fishing is. Hopefully, at this point, but today we'll talk about the accessibility and practice. And rise of subscription models known as fishing as a service. Um, and Taylor, you're you're really up on this article this week. And you know everything these days is a subscription model. I miss the days <laughs> as you know days of fishing cable. You know so much simpler. Uh, <laughs> so why should fishing you know be any different? And how prevalent is fishing as a service at this point in time? Would you say is it is it popular enough to call it a pass yet, if you will?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, there is PaaS already. Platform as a Service is already there, um, you know, kind of somewhere in between infrastructure as a service and software as a service. (laughs) So, you know, this has been pretty prevalent for a while now. uh, This kind of, uh, say, the, the, like, yeah the the I hate to say, we can cut this out the democratization of fishing uh, of like really well crafted fishing uh, like kits really like landing pages that target specific, Banks, uh, financial institutions, uh, you know, shippers, DHL, FedEx, USPS, uh, UPS—all those folks get targeted quite a bit. Um, to eventually land on credential harvesting, um, account draining—you uh, know, all the, the stuff that folks like to do, kind of post uh, post exploitation. But yeah, instead of like every group having to rewrite these things themselves, uh, you know, you have folks that are kind of now uh, scaling out their own industry as they uh, like... You know, it's like the Henry Ford, like the mechanization of the of the the phishing attack chain, uh, where you know now you have these kind of discrete replicable parts that are built and then resold to folks uh, across a number of forums and so that's where our CyberArk friends here come in um, so the CyberArk research group uh, one of the folks there received uh, in this case it was an SMS phish uh, that was uh, the targeting an Israeli credit card company so they got um, a, an hourly link so it was a bit short like a, a link shortener link um, and then you know saying like hey you need to update the payment information for security reasons and because of you know how old sms is and the protocols involved therein you you know you're able to spoof um, kind of usernames there and so it even you know looks like it's coming from the company uh and then it's got that that ally link that then will take the a victim to the filling, the, the, the phishing server, essentially. So it's a billing page um, that looks just like what they might expect from the financial institution in this case, uh, in terms of how that page looks. And then at the end of it, they get kind of dumped out to a, uh, just a normal website. So uh, as far as they could tell, that's already like, it's, they can't go back and take a look at it really, very easily.
0: Well, doesn't yeah. that campaign sound like a, a hoot? <laughs> the fell word hook line and sinker, not really. Oh, that's actually quite the opposite of the point of their blog in some way um, and Taylor, I'd kind of like to talk a little bit more in detail about the the campaign, if you will, <laughs> that you just described, but for starters, can you um talk a little bit about how the the author of this blog details the steps on turning the tables? Yeah, so
2: when they looked at the server, they found a directory listing on the server. So they're able to expose the files on the server and they found a file archive named AR22.zip, which had the entire phishing package suite, so all the the PHP for all the different phishing pages. Um, And so they noticed a file inside of that that was config.php that held a, a Telegram bot token. And so they were able to get information about everybody who was subscribed to the Telegram bot. So a lot of the communication for this stuff happens on those uh, kind of Telegram channels, those encrypted end-to-end channels uh, within the messaging apps uh, where, you know, nefarious 'er ne'er-do-wells gather together uh, to, you know, to share their services, in this case, the different phishing kits they may have access to, uh, and so by taking that config, that, that Telegram token config.php, um, you know that was in there that they were able to pull all of the the group and user of the phishing campaign, that particular campaign, and so they found a couple of Telegram channels that were open, uh, either open or had no restrictions on access once they got in. So they were able to see all the content of the channel um, without being a member of the group or even pulling an invite. So they were able to see chats on the group members, you know, how to and where to buy phishing kits, login information on the virtual private servers where the phishing kits are stored, and then just folks uh, chatting about the next campaign that they were working
1: on.
0: Cyber eavesdropping at its finest.
1: Got OPSEC?
0: Yeah. as tim would as Tim would say some slop sack situation here slop sack um, for sure hashtag slop sack we're gonna make slop sack happen wait daniel important question have you seen the film the masterful comedy mean girls
1: of course i mean that's like a standard classic
0: now what kind of judgments would you place on somebody that has not yet seen that film
1: I, it would probably allow for depending on how old you are and where you grew up. But if they're sort of in our contemporary, I'd be like, mm, that's a
0: serious fail. Taylor, do you want to um, tell Daniel your age and where you grew up? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I love being girls. No, no, it's Tim. Helton. Oh, wait, it's Tim. OK, yeah, we're going to you guy. Tim. He yeah. takes a vacation. We come for him.
2: <laughs> I, well, I, I, I catch heat for not having seen Titanic. Um, that's, that's just because i know how it ends i don't need to see it <laughs> oh
0: my gosh i think we should have because we've got some serious recurring bits and shade on the podcast i think we need like a breaking badness bingo and on it <laughs> would definitely be titanic mean girls bill belichick tom hanks mm-hmm. um any pun slop slopsack, up that that makes it swift um, on security swift on security oh, um God. That's yeah, a I, <laughs> I think, yeah, that's a, that's a freebie it's for sure. Once a week. Um, come in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we, in order to complete an episode, it's kind of like flipping bingo on its head. Everybody wins because we talk about all those things, or at least we think they're funny. And, but we have to, we can't complete an episode recording until we finished filling out. We But we fill out the whole board. You don't just bingo. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. So, stop no, want, it going on. We all. want to make
2: every episode be exactly the same. So
0: People like that. I mean, we could basically chat. Their chat GPT is now on it. Um. So, oh, do you,
2: do you want to hear some of the nicknames from the other folks that were on the forums? Yes, please. Okay. I mean, honestly, they're not as much fun. Like, there's Spock's Coder, there's uh, Spock's DZ, there's Aaron Open Bracket Close Bracket TN. There's ITNA and then the ever present uh, 1337, very elite. Uh, and their previous nickname was uh, Cyber Error, but they've got threes instead of E's and an O, uh, or a zero instead of an O. So very clever. Uh, Shadow. That's. I mean, that person could have picked a better name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably actually Shadow, you know, 4795. <laughs> Lame.
0: <laughs> now, am I the only one whenever I hear Aaron? I just think of the key and peel skit every time. Guilt, a. a Ron. A.A. Ron. Denise. A. a Ron. A classic. Uh,
1: because I'm a nerd am a nerd, uh, whenever I hear Aaron I think of the uh you know uh internet governing oh. entity. Aaron I'm like wait what have we forgotten to update our uh, uh, contact information what
0: but at least we see that Aaron our ways oh (laughs) Oh, good one that was a that was a Friday afternoon pun that's what that was (laughs) Taylor's like can confirm can confirm
2: we don't get that kind of stuff on Monday
0: no you don't it's that's when I've been replenished my pun tank has been refilled with a high octane (laughs) (laughs) And everybody pays for it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, going back to the campaign, Taylor, that you're describing uh, just a minute ago with the SMS text. Is there any more detail that you think our audience may uh, be interested in from from that whole process step by step?
2: I I look I'd say we'll we'll link to it but the the article's great the research is is uh really interesting always seeing inside of these things the other side of it is always fascinating to me um you know uh, like the the channels and all that stuff are always really interesting we see hey here's where the cracked email addresses and users and smtp services are here's where the kits are sold um but you know obviously that lowering that barrier to entry to this stuff means that you're going to get a lot of slopsec on the other side of this
0: Ah, uh, yes. And this is kind of fun, because we talk all the time about the asymmetry between threat actors and defenders, and to be able to flip it on its head is always, it's always pretty fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> so just, just out of curiosity, um, knowing this information, could threat actors, or excuse me, could threat hunters, very different, could threat hunters create their own phishing kits to fight malicious actors at scale, in your opinion?
2: like getting folks to download fake versions of Telegram where they're all just like talking to chat (laughs) GPTs.
0: Smarter child. Used for good. That would actually
1: be kind of amazing.
2: (laughs) It's like the socially engineered tar pit.
1: Yeah, I would (laughs) would like to see that. (laughs) Yeah, during our uh, predictions uh, webinar we did late last year, yeah, you know, sideways plug. Um, we did speculate whether maybe in the light of unfortunate layoffs in the industry, you know, more more people would be tempted to try maybe a hand at cybercrime because we all know how to properly opsec, and so I certainly hope that doesn't come true because that would make uh, our lives as the defenders even harder.
2: It's true. Well, if they really want to hide in, they should commit slopsec errors, so they'll just look like.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> do do Int- you know, intentionalization, <laughs> planned procrastination. Okay. Oh gosh. And I'm just curious: is there any downside in your mind of the author sharing this information from from their travels? Is there any kind of like?
2: Does it make the adversary? Do- are they going to get smarter?
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and what do you think about go, that? Oh, man, I need a much cooler handle. <laughs> Shadow uh, is going to get some heat after this podcast is live, for sure. No <laughs> roasted. doubt. Roasted. Roasted in, in, the, in the chat. Boom, roasted. Group uh, <laughs> chat. Uh,
2: yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Um, you know, because it's like a sucker born every minute, right? Like on the other side too, like you'll have folks that come in and want to glom onto a channel and pull a package. And, you know, this stuff does make it pretty plug and play. Um, And especially because for these fish kits, they're not registering domains. They're just kind of standing up on virtual private servers and then using link shorteners to deliver the link to folks. So yeah, the barrier to entry is an all-time low.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that really brings up my final question, because the the conclusion of the blog really surfaces a lot of the things we talk about all the time when it comes to mitigating phishing attacks, um, including the idea that attackers usually aren't familiar with, or I guess being able to surface phishing attacks and helping train folks, right? And one of the big things to look out for is um, little blips with the language. Um, as an Uh example, and the the text and the content of whatever the fish is coming through. So do you think any of this will be impacted with the rise of, um, the good old chat GPT?
2: (laughs) I, you know, you could certainly see, uh, like a malicious chat GPT that handles the social engineering part of this maybe, uh, at scale better than these folks are able to do so right now. I don't know. It's tough. Um, what, what do you think, Daniel?
1: Well, I, uh, first, of course, I think that, um, you know, within no time, there are countless of examples of any sort of you know, chat AI turning horribly racist or inappropriate. So I wonder if you could, uh, you know, if if you end up uh, training one to those kinds of responses, what terrible dark place that would immediately go.
0: Go somewhere bad very quickly. Also, Taylor, the mention of taking... Essentially, the social out of social engineering by using a chat GPT is maybe the most millennial thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It's like even more not having to in- engage with human. Yes, that. Yeah. Well, it's more about like, hey,
2: engaging with 10,000 people on a personal level
1: at the same time, you know. Uh...
0: Our only hope. <laughs>
1: Do you all remember in the early days of like, you know, personal uh, voice assistants, Siri and, you know, the various other uh, ones? uh, Okay, Google. And uh, I'm hoping I'm actually making some of them perk up in the background if you're listening right now. Um, (laughs) Hey, Google. Um, But yeah, there was videos where they would pin them against each other, where they would essentially (laughs) end up talking to each other. And they would just, if you did it right, it would just keep going.
0: That's hilarious.
1: Um, similarly with chat GPT, I mean, if, if I'm getting, you know, AI phishing attacks, I'm in, uh, certainly motivated to train my own to just deal with that and just <laughs> tie it up indefinitely.
0: <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. I really want to watch that video of what you're oh, there There are
1: a whole off. bunch of them and they're pretty hilarious.
0: <laughs> that's where you put the Furby in there. And then you just really see things go awry. Um, that can be very entertaining. Uh, then all of a
1: sudden, like ten tons of creamed corn show up at your house. <laughs> it's the Furby figured out Alexa. All
0: <laughs> well, my totally kids have figured
2: it. out Alexa, and so now uh, I'm subjected to all kinds of uh, of their music, <laughs> everything they want. <laughs> just hear it at random times. <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: that's too funny. Oh uh, well, Taylor, hey, thanks for diving at surfacing this or diving into, I should say, and surfacing this blog post. Now it's time to, to talk about our hoodie rating, which is typically from zero to 10, 10 being very bad, zero being kind of neutral. Um, and hoodies are playing off of, you know, the cliche of defenders and hackers wearing hoodies, but the, the kind of the shadow hoodie, um, and mm-hmm. in a good way, not, not like shadow the person on the telegram channel. Um, is like a goodie, like a warm cookie. And so, you know, I'm just curious, Daniel, wh- where would you rate this scenario at for the hoodie or goodie scale in this case?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, I'm going to go with like three and a half hoodies and we're going to cut the actual hood and the arms off. You know, make it like a hoodie, hoodless hoodie. Tank top, a Bill uh, Belichick. Effectively, yes. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say it, but here we go.
0: <laughs> Bingo. Um, yeah.
1: um, and because this is a natural evolution, I don't think it's like, oh my goodness, the world's on fire. Uh, but uh, it's a natural progression that you know, from a criminal economics point of view, makes sense. So it's not too surprising, but I, I do appreciate the research by the CyberArk folks to actually put that into, you know, actually specific terms.
0: Yes, very, very well done, CyberArk folks. Um, thanks for your perspective on that, Daniel. What would you rate this at, Tete?
2: I Yeah, on like the grand like, scheme of things in cyber, these are pretty, like, this is like that, like, background noise level stuff that's just kind of always going on um but there's just you know more surface area for everybody involved uh than ever before and you kind know, of folks have less time than they ever had before to really look into stuff right um to make sure they're not passing along information to the wrong folks so i i'll give it like three and a half hoodies three 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 hoodies and then like a half a hoodie and then uh you know the like the the drawstring from the other half
0: can't forget about those draw drawstrings jawstrings yeah. yep. are a terrifying thing those are, those are the short hoodie for sure very different draw than the drawstring. <laughs> excellent well thank you both for your perspective and we'll be back in just a moment for our second article today here on freaking badness Welcome, 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 welcome back. Hey, hey. (laughs) That sounded more disturbing (laughs) than I intended. I'm pretty, uh, I I was like some creepy thriller, scary movie stuff right there, and I I don't feel very good about it.
1: (laughs) You can always fix it in post.
0: Um, Whoever is fixing it in post, give give it some sort of treatment. Um, Hopefully people know what we're talking about. Otherwise, they're going to think it's, it was even creepier than it actually was. I'd be like, that's them fixing it at post. <laughs> it must I have been auto coming on. Oh my gosh! Oh, I did invest one of the early apps I invested in. I think it was in college is, um a T Pain app,
1: an yes. auto tune
0: app. I think my roommate probably really enjoyed me <laughs> freshman year. She was remember Autotune like, to news. Heck? I'm not
1: sure if that's oh, still a thing, but I love that's, that.
0: that. That's amazing. I've seen people with like, auto-tune mics, and they put it up to, like, their husky, <laughs> and it's hilarious. It sounds quite good, actually. They um, are a
1: rather talkative breed, and yeah, that they would are... be awesome.
0: I get jealous of that, because my dog, she whines sometimes. She used to whine when there were um, sirens and whatnot, mm-hmm. but she doesn't do that anymore, and I miss her just, like, looking up to the sky and just giving it a howl, just for the howl of it, you know? Maybe but she has no a doggy hearing aid.
1: Might be she's going deaf. I
0: know. I'm kind of worried. <laughs> Peanut.
2: <laughs> My dog just came over and stood right next to me. She always wants to be picked up to, oh. to see the meeting. Oh. So I picked her up. There's no one. There's no faces. <laughs> she's,
1: she's like, like wait, there. you're talking That's to weird. people. Why is there no pictures?
0: Dad, I'm worried about you. <laughs> 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 just in here talking to himself.
1: So. Exactly. It's
0: going crazy in there. <laughs> well,. I think that that seems like as natural segue as any or second <laughs> I just, article.
1: I was just <laughs> thinking that.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh, and how does that make you feel? So a Duke University report found a, um, almost said 111 11 data brokers agreed to sell information that identified people by issues, including depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder, and often sorted them by demographic information. And we talk about protecting our basic PII. All the time. I think it's a pretty common discussion amongst folks in the security industry. We talk about financial information, medical information, but something that's quite often overlooked is our mental health data. So how is this information being dispersed to these data brokers? Is it only from mental health professional using an online portal or telegraph, telegraph or excuse me, telehealth apps, um, telegram on the brain? Daniel, tell me what you think about all of that.
1: Boy, howdy! So this is something that I'm very passionate about. So you know, might be getting a little bit on the soapbox here, but um, in general, I want to make I want to make uh, very clear that I don't think anybody election. Uh, um, excuse me, anybody is alleging that uh, uh, protected health information is being leaked uh, illegally or inappropriately. However, um, there are many opportunities where this kind of information can be collected and is collected that is not covered by things like HIPAA. So um, this is a federal law that protects uh, health information, and it is, by the way, not HIP, PPA, as it's often referred to, uh, it's HIPAA, which is the Health Insurance and Portability uh, Accountability Act of 1996. So it's actually quite old, but it largely takes care of uh, protecting health information in certain settings. This is the key word. Uh, in HIPAA, I'm not going to go into deep. Uh, when I uh, worked for a government agency that was also affiliated with a large medical uh, center, I learned more about HIPAA than I ever care to forget. Um, and uh, there is something called a covered entity. Uh, so if you are sharing personal health information with a covered entity, or if the covered entity is collecting it for you, like your medical provider, etc., then that stuff is protected, and there are pretty serious fines and consequences associated with. Um, violating HIPAA rules. Uh, However, there are now many, you know, sort of healthcare adjacent cottage industries that uh, are not covered entities. And therefore the data you give to them voluntarily by agreeing to their extensive privacy policies that nobody ever reads, um, it may actually uh, be possible for them to legally uh, absent any other regulation to share that information with third parties such as data brokers.
0: Daniel, I want you to feel comfortable to pull out the old soapbox anytime.
1: I have been told that I am good at that, so no
0: worries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe if you sing on top of a soapbox in it, typically in the Italian language, that's that's a soap opera, is it not?
1: I, if I would be in any way shape or form close to something called an opera singer then possibly but those are true professionals i'm a security professional not a singing professional so stay in your lane
0: you know the thing that people need to know about you daniel though is you are a man of many talents and every time i get to see you in person i learn some new trick that's up your sleeve Um,
1: i like to keep it interesting
0: (laughs) you do you do. And so next time, I just happen to wonder if you'll you'll do some opera singing after <laughs> all, you know?
1: You know, after possibly a few frosty beverages, you might be able to talk me into that, but it's probably not going to be pretty.
0: <laughs> be opera shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, on
1: this topic, uh, I feel very strongly about that. I think mental health is uh, a, a big problem in this country. Um, And, you know, therapy is a very good thing for those, you know, who it works for. And the information that you share with your mental health provider, who is hopefully licensed uh, and properly accredited, uh, is personal. It's deeply personal. And if this information gets aggregated somewhere and shared with data brokers who are literally in the business of selling your personal information, aggregate it, slice it, dice it, advertising or anything else it's it's a huge problem and it's gonna potentially um cause more distrust in the system that already you know a lot of people are suspicious of because of various other cultural reasons
0: yeah and something i'm curious about in the article that we have linked here in the show notes i believe and correct me if i'm wrong that brokers are selling the data for something like 270 275 dollars for information on 5000 people.
1: Yeah, that seems <laughs> pretty low, but if you yeah. if you actually kind of start diving into how data brokers operate and stuff like that, it's all about scale. You know, 5000 is nothing. You want data on, you know, 5 million people, different story. Um and you, you might say, well, who cares about who, you know, is clinically depressed, why wouldn't data broker care about that kind of information? Well, first of all, you can be marketed to in quite insidious ways, you know, manipulation, you know, if they know you have a certain, like anxiety disorder, you can all of a sudden have ads that target that, which is horrible. Um, And so uh, the other thing, and this is kind of, again, soapbox territory, um, the information that data brokers hold on us, we have no right to know what it is uh, access it or request changes. So we're probably all familiar with uh, the uh, National Credit Fair Credit Reporting Act, and you can pull your own credit report. There are laws that says, okay, these entities keep financial information on us and how creditworthy an individual is, and because mistakes happen, you have the right to access your own report, uh, at least on an annual basis. And if you see something that's factually incorrect in there, you can. There's a process you can file. A notice and say, "Hey, I have you know evidence here. This is wrong. Please correct this." And they are legally required to do so. No such law, no such regulation exists for data brokers in virtually all of the states. You know, There's some states who have now passed individual privacy laws that make that a little bit better, but by and large, you have no right to know what these entities are collecting you, and you have no way of knowing if it's accurate. And if it is inaccurate, you have no recourse to make it correct.
0: Wow, so, that's yeah, very it, concerning. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, it's it's actually quite crazy. And most people don't realize that that is the case. They think, like, well, of course, I can, you know, ask them what my information is. Nope, they will not talk to you. Uh, and then, Oof. what? So here is some other insidious things that happen. So, for example, um, insurance, right? So insurance, while it is a regulated industry, but they are free to pull certain information from data brokers who then make decisions whether you are a high risk or not for insurance. So you may get charged higher insurance rates because uh, of certain things that these data brokers collect on you. And again, if that information is incorrect, you will never know. But all of a sudden, your insurance skyrockets, and nobody can tell you why.
0: Which is fascinating, because philosophically, that would be like penalizing somebody for going to and eating emotional salads because it 's quite a healthy thing to take care of oneself, so one should actually in fact argue that it 's a preventative measure and if you 're being proactive with your mental health, that has a positive it's you 're a less expensive <laughs> a member of a program so it's it it says a lot too about um, certain perspectives in the yeah, world i
1: think I think as a country, we still kind of You know, this sort of Old West macho, you know, just be a man about it uh, is still very prevalent uh, a lot of places. And so going to therapy, seeking out mental health treatment is still sort of a taboo that's not talked about. And there's vestiges of that all over the place, where if you actually do that, and oh yeah, your insurance covers as a benefit, great. Oh, by the way, if you want this particular job, here, sign a release. We get access to all of your record. Oh, you you want that job? You're going to have to sign it. you don't gonna not going to sign it? We can't force you, but then you will not have this job. And then they start pulling your medical files and your background, and all of a sudden, all of that information is now out in the open, at least within that particular setting. You know, for example, uh, uh, pilots uh, uh, don't like it's written down in their medical history that they may be taking an antidepressant you know, it might be perfectly benign you know help them you know it's some some of them are for example for treatment of uh, attention des- deficit not necessarily you know full-on clinical depression but if it's written down in their records when they get reviewed and get their physical it's going to raise red flags and instead of encouraging people to seek you know proper uh, help and treatment to make them better, it forces all of that stuff into the you know underground, uh, or just causes people not to take advantage of it because they're like, I don't want the fallout from it.
0: Yeah, there are some pretty pretty negative unintended consequences associated with what you just described um, that we could talk about for forever, <laughs> extremely yep. long period of time. And you're bringing up you know the employer piece quite a bit, and I think. It may be helpful to dissect, too, in thinking about this article. You know, a lot of companies do offer mental health services to their employees. You know, should employees be leery of that? Should they be leery of this data being used during interview processes um, outside of what maybe you just described with licensed groups like pilots um, to filter people in or out?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a whole nother can, can of worms, of course. Um, so especially during the pandemic when everything, you know, had to shut down and like in-person things weren't really a thing. A lot of like therapy and sessions, et cetera, switched to online means, you know, video conferencing, et cetera, which I think was the right call at the time. And there was special uh, emergency authorization given to actually make that, you know, compliant with various Uh, regulations there but then you have something like sort of a cottage adjacent industry like mental health apps where you're not necessarily directly dealing with a licensed professional you know i'm not saying all apps are like that but those do exist and so now you're starting to feed your uh you know problems your issues whatever into this app and that information is getting collected on the back end do you know if that's covered uh, if If your information is protected, when you clicked install the app and agreed to the license agreement, did you agree to have all of that information widely shared uh it's 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 pretty shady so it's it's a fine balance right i would I would hate to ever deprive anybody of the resources that they are seeking because they're worried about it, but at the same time, I think you need to be an informed consumer and do very good Diligence about what provider or what app or whatever you pick because of the unintended consequences of your uh, third party information uh, being shared
0: yes I, yeah <laughs> couldn't agree more, and you know my as an example, my spouse is actually a a licensed therapist, and um, it's it's fascinating from a security perspective to to be around and see. And understand where there are and are not investments in those security practices. Obviously, due to HIPAA, I'm, I'm not anywhere near any of that information, but just um, it's a curious thing. It's something that's extremely sensitive, but is that information being treated in a proportionally sensitive way? Probably not. <laughs> Yeah, and and so here's
1: another interesting part, right? So, for example, if you um, have, you know, employee health records between you and your uh, employer, let's say uh, your job requires you to travel to countries that require certain uh, vaccinations. And because, you know, everybody that works at company X, you know, is that so they have an in-house vaccination clinic just to make things uh, quicker and more convenient for uh, the workforce that has to travel as part of their job. Those records are not covered by HIPAA because that's an employee health record that stays within the employer-employee relationship, not covered by HIPAA. Not alleging that any of these employers are deliberately sharing that information with data broker, not not at all. But people don't truly understand which part of their, you know, highly sensitive information is covered by which regulation and what protections do or don't apply. And that's, you know, I mean, us as a security professionals and you know, as an as a additional privacy professional uh, that I uh, also do it as part of my day job, it is mind boggling the sort of loopholes or edge cases that most people, you know, have no idea about.
0: Yeah, I'm saying it. I'm learning quite a bit during this podcast right now. (laughs) So hopefully this is helpful for our listeners to keep an eye out for. And I think that's probably a good question to, to end this particular discussion on, which is what can people actually do to protect themselves and their sensitive information if they've been using mental health apps or have been seeking any kind of mental health care?
1: Yeah, certainly. That's that's a tough one. Um if you're using apps, I would highly recommend uh taking the time and reading through the privacy policy, uh as dry and as horrible as that might be. That's where the nitty-gritty is going to be of what information is collected and how it may be shared. And if you don't like what you see, it might be time to switch, you know, apps. Um Any sort of engagement with a licensed mental health professional, I personally have very little qualms that that information is going to be uh, used inappropriately because... Those individuals' licenses depend on that, and that's their livelihood. So, um, I in no way am alleging that uh, licensed professionals, you know, bend the rules. That's not a thing. I mean, you know, one in a million maybe. Um, however, there's also you know these, these these other things where this data is being collected, and so for example, in schools. Um, you know, K through 12, because of the pandemic, we've certainly seen, you know, some some emotional impact on the kids that went through it that had to, you know, in most places go learn online for a year or so, or some places less. But now there, you know, is this sort of mental health crisis as a result that's being talked about. And the immediate knee-jerk answer very often that I see is like, oh, there ought to be an app for that. Oh, let's, let's have all the kids go onto this website and like rate themselves how they feel and if they have problems and whatnot, and then some machine learning will happen and it'll flag the ones that, you know, possibly are concerning and need some intervention. Well, in, in, in theory, that sounds good, but Usually these portals are operated by private third parties that a school district might con- uh, contract with. Like who's the re- doing the review on them? Who's liable when that third party gets breached and all of the kids' information is now out in the open or otherwise uh, used inappropriately? Uh, I think as as parents, um, and I have kids in, in uh, K through 12 right now, this is very concerning to me because... The, the sort of knee-jerk reaction to immediately go to like there ought to be a, an app for that is is definitely, in my opinion, the wrong uh, answer here. And also if I as a you know parent and professional bring this forward in any sort of forum like with other parents or with the school district, whatever, you would not believe the looks that I get like, oh, no, he's crazy. What the heck are you talking about? Uh, it's it's quite disheartening because people just like oh no I'm sure it's going to be fine. I mean there's a there's a school district north of Seattle, Edmonds School District, who just had uh, recently announced a breach of uh, sensitive student information that had all sorts of you know highly confidential information um, breached, and now it's out there, and these kids never agreed to that.
0: Oof, yeah. Um, As you can tell, I'm
1: real fun at parties. uh,
0: (laughs) I'm just sitting here and trying to absorb it uh, and learn because uh, I think there's a huge gap in understanding for folks that are outside of the security space or even myself, right, that's uh, talking with folks like you pretty much every single day of the week. And this is still surprising information for me. And so I can imagine being in those school situations uh that gap is even wider. And Taylor, I see that you've taken a virtual in- inhale of breath. Is there something you'd like to add here?
2: No, no I, <laughs> I mean, you know the the you know the kind of more permanent nature of stuff that gets uh breached and then leaked um you know especially when you're talking about something that may chase someone around for like virtually ever, right? Um some of this information that's terrifying.
0: On that note, <laughs> should we do our hoodie ratings? and start with you, Taylor, for this particular...
2: Uh... Uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if a hoodie rating really uh, captures all of this, right? Um, you know, it's uh, one of these, like, snowball things that are kind of gather; It will gather steam over time, or, you know, gather uh, size and importance over time. Uh, and there's, in some of these cases, no going back for... Folks that are in, inclu- involved in these breaches, so I, I don't know. Like for hoodies, you know, six, five six hoodies, right? But you know, just the, the broader questions of, of how we tackle this stuff going forward are um, for much smarter folks than I to handle.
0: Well said. And what are your thoughts on this, Daniel? What's your rating?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with uh, with Taylor here. That's uh, a tough one to put into the hoodie rating. Maybe we need an adjacent, like an you know. I don't think we can swear on the podcast, so I'm not going to swear an O bleep rating um, (laughs) for stuff like that. That's Because this this sounds really bad. Um, I think it's bad. Uh, But yeah, yeah, in terms of our hoodie structure, I'd say like a a six, uh, six and a half. I'm going to use the parts that I cut off the other hoodie for this one, reduce, (laughs) reduce, recycle.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm like a onesie. That's not quite right either. But that's a, a more holistic article of clothing. Um yeah, the the list of consequences and that snowballing that you're describing is um going to be my new set of intrusive thoughts, I think. So thanks for that. Uh Taylor and Daniel. Anytime. <laughs> <End> <laughs> oh, this is a little bit of a a tangent um to add some levity, but I grew up in uh Portland, Oregon area. And we went to campus to Reed College at one point to see, I think, a Shakespeare play or something like that. And we were getting a tour of campus, and there was this hill, and then a set of dorms. And they were talking about one time it, it snowed, and this is Portland, uh, a number of years ago now, so that didn't happen very often. It happens more now. And uh, <laughs> they're talking about how these kids um, made a they made a snowball at the top of the hill and it got a little big and then it got away from them and it turned into a huge snowball and actually hit and damaged the dorm like the snow the the situation literally snowballed (laughs) and that still tickles me to this day
1: (laughs) (laughs) Indiana Jones and the giant snowball
0: (laughs) there we go All right. Well, something to chew on before uh, we have, we're going to have our final break here before our game, Two Truths and a Lie. So think about snowballs if considering the implications of what we discussed is a little too heavy. And we'll be right back for the final segment here of our episode. All righty. Welcome back. Hopefully some levity. For folks i know some dense topics today but we're going to be playing our game two truths and a lie um it's a lot like that game you grew up loving hating however you felt about it but rather than talking about ourselves instead one co-host every week is responsible for coming prepared with three byline article titles two of which are things that are actually happened one of which is a lie or uh, potentially a prophecy time always <laughs> is a. uh, uh we, we find out later if it's prophecy or not. Um, and I believe Taylor's up today. So he's, well, he's prepared with his truths and lie. And there's a point system, of course.
2: We are keeping score. Okay. <laughs> Two truths and one lie is uh, the format here. I will go off of the headlines, and then you will tell me which one of these I made up. First one. Ransomware pushes city of Oakland into state of emergency. Headline number two, ESXi ARG's campaign expands targets to Zen Project servers and VMs. Number three, Clam AV remote code execution puts Linux servers at risk.
0: Hmm. What was the third one again?
2: Uh, Clam AV. Remote code execution puts Linux servers at risk.
0: I think I have my guess.
1: I happen to know one for being factual, so now i got to decide between two.
0: Do you want to go first, Kelsey? Sure. I feel like I've never... I don't know why I feel so confident this week. Probably a bad sign um i think the second article is a lie i believe number one and number three are things that have occurred
1: well just to make it interesting i'm gonna say the first one is the lies number two and three are uh true
2: so wait which one was yours kelsey
0: uh numero dos number two
2: and that was the esxi args campaign Correct. That's the lie. Yes! That's the lie. That's the one I made
0: up.
1: Nice. Good job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do not know. I, I saw uh, the information, the news about Oakland, because that was a ransomware attack, was it not? Yep. 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 yep, yep, yep.
1: And I, I knew the Clam IV one was, was accurate, but I thought the Oakland one had maybe just like a subtle fact Twits. changed in
0: the
2: headline. No, that we one I like just like, that. pulled that one directly from the headline. The Clam baby one is like as of eight hours ago. That one is kind of um, yeah, if you're hearing this for the first time, go update it.
1: Yes, <laughs> do, do,
2: do something.
0: <laughs> do that. Go. It's
2: yeah, it's gonna be open hunting season on a bunch of mail servers here.
0: Oh boy. Wow, Taylor. Well, you you got someone. You got Daniel. Uh He trusted you now that trust is broken. Good work, Taylor.
1: (laughs) Everybody gets one pass.
0: Don't do it again. Everybody gets one fishing as a service? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for being on. This is uh, our episode before our big 150, which Callie has something special prepared that will go out next week. So keep an eye out and keep your ear to the ground for that. But it's been a really fun episode, a very educational episode of breaking badness. I know I learned a lot, really glad to have you both on. And I hope uh, for those listening in that you had a wonderful, hopefully three day weekend um, here with president's day. Uh, So thanks to you both. And we'll be back next week for our 150th episode of breaking badness. Hooray. Woo. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at domaintools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com/resources/podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.